your, your spiritual life, you're like, man, I first came to faith, it was awesome, right? But right now, I'm just not sure what God's doing in my life. Many of us get there. All of us, I would say, get there at some point because the Christian life is characterized by ebbs and flows. It, it, it's characterized by uh, triumphs and hardships. There are times where you feel God's pleasure, and then other times you, you think God is absent. As you look around your life and say, where is God in this time of suffering or this time of confusion or things are not going the way I thought? I'm a Christian. My life should look different. The good news is that since Christ secures the victory for us and the Holy Spirit seals and guarantees the prize for us, the good news is that we are never defeated. The good news is that since God has secured the deal for us, we can run the race toward victory. Now, the past couple weeks, we've been going through Ephesians chapter 1, and we see these various identities that, that Christ secures for us time and time again. We see that in Christ, we are adopted. In Christ, we are faithful saints. In Christ, we are blessed. In Christ, we are chosen. In Christ, we are redeemed. In Christ, we are forgiven. In Christ, we are the first to hope. All of these things remind us that in Christ, the victory is secure. In Christ, the race has been won, but we still have to run it. In Christ, there is a medal at the end of the finish line that you, that you get, but we still have to run the race. Now, the first dozen verses of Ephesians 1 all culminate in this verses where we're in today in verse 13 and 14. Because as Paul has written to the Ephesian church about being in Christ, you were faithful saints, adopted, um, blessed, chosen, redeemed, forgiven, first to hope. Verse 13, he says this, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. You see, The Holy Spirit is the one who brings to fruition the work of Christ in the hearts of a Christian, in the heart of a Christian. It's the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, who who gives us the understanding and who actualizes the truth of the gospel in our lives personally. You see, the next couple weeks, today and the next two weeks following, we will be talking about the, the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of a Christian personally and in the life of the church community. You see, the Holy Spirit, um, who He is and what He does, changes everything for us as Christians. The Holy Spirit is a He, not an It. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. He is God. He is a person. He is ever-present, all-powerful, all-knowing, eternal, and holy. There is no one like Him. The Holy Spirit throughout Scripture does numerous things, uh, numerous activities and actions in the life of God's people. We see that it's the Holy Spirit who regenerates the heart to believe and receive the gospel. It's the Holy Spirit who who gives us an understanding of who God is and what he's doing. It's the Holy Spirit who actualizes the faith in our hearts and in our minds. It's the Holy Spirit who inspired scripture to be written. It's the Holy Spirit who Paul says in 1 Corinthians dwells with God's people, dwells in the church who is God's temple. So the Holy Spirit, we know, has promised to us that that Jesus uh, sends his Holy Spirit to dwell with his people. That Paul writes in 
First, or sorry, Ephesians 1.13, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 2, verse 38, as Peter is uh, preaching to a crowd, he says to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to Himself. So you see that the Holy Spirit of God is promised to God's people. That Jesus sends the Holy Spirit to dwell with His church, with His people. That Peter himself in preaching says, look, you repent, you believe in the Gospel, God is calling you to Himself and the Holy Spirit is promised to you and God always makes good on His promises. So we see specifically in today's passage, as we look today and next week and then the following week, as we look at the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer in the life of His church, we're going to see several things that the Holy Spirit does as God, as the third person of the Trinity, what God does in our hearts, in our lives, and in our relationships and community. But today I want us to look at two things that Paul writes here. I want us to look at the the two things that uh, the Holy Spirit does. Let's read the verses one more time. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. The two things we're going to look out today is that the Holy Spirit seals believers and the Holy Spirit guarantees our inheritance. These two things. The Holy Spirit seals believers and the Holy Spirit guarantees our inheritance. So so what does that mean? Like I said, over the past few weeks in Ephesians 1, all of this uh, that we've looked at, all of these identities come together in this verse of what the Holy Spirit does. So first, let's look at what it means to be sealed. Right? That's maybe not phraseology that we use a lot anymore, but but a seal is a mark of ownership. It's a, it's a branding if you will. It's, it's like if something is sealed, you know that it is authentic, it is real, you know that it carries the, uh, the worth and value of whoever the owner is, right? So like if you write a letter and you seal it, maybe put a wax seal on the back, you know that whenever somebody receives that letter, they'll know it's from you because it has your seal on it, right? Uh, in the first century when the book of Ephesians was written, they uh, still had um, cattle, right? Do any of you guys have cattle? All of you. Wow, amazing. Um, you know, it'd be very common to brand your cattle. You want to know who, if that's your cow or not, so you would brand the cattle. So what the Holy Spirit does, Paul is saying here, is, is there's a seal that's put on the life of a believer. So in, in essence, the Holy Spirit is tattooing the name of God on you when you are a believer. This is the work of what the Holy Spirit does so that you are marked as belonging to God. Now, this is a great reassurance for you and I today as, as we've looked through uh, the first chapter here that uh, time and time again we are called God's children, that we have been adopted, forgiven, redeemed, um, chosen, that we are considered faithful saints, that we are blessed by God. All of this comes to fruition in our lives when the Holy Spirit marks us as God's people. He puts this spiritual tattoo on us that says, this person belongs to me. It's a great claim of ownership that God does for us. 
It's like having a passport. If you travel and you have a passport, you know that, that, that when you go through the passport uh, check, wherever, whatever country you're in, you open up the passport and it says who you are as an individual, right? It has your picture, your name, but it also claims, uh, so, so, so there's a claim of ownership, you know, citizenship of where you belong. But it's not just an individual thing, it's a, it's a community thing. It's like, look, not only are you Jeremy, but you are part of the United States. So you belong to that nation, and therefore you have certain rights and privileges, protection, if you will. In the same way, when the Holy Spirit seals you, he marks you as belonging to God. So not only is there an identifying marker of you, you belong to God, but there's this seal of protection. There's this seal of expectation. There are rights and privileges that you have as a child of God that the Holy Spirit places on you. And this is good news for us. Paul writes here that this happens when you hear and believe the gospel. In verse 13, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Now when we look at that phrase, we can say, all right, uh, what, is, what does Paul say here? In him, in him, you're talking about Christ. So in Christ, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. So when we look at that, we say, all right, we gotta, we gotta hear the gospel, right? And we gotta believe the gospel, and maybe then the Holy Spirit will seal us, right? So we look at that passage, and, and you're probably here today saying, all right, I'm here, I wanna hear the word of truth. I mean, we knew you were gonna open the Bible, and so we wanna hear the word of truth, we wanna hear the, the gospel of our salvation so that we will be sealed. But let me tell you some really good news. When Paul writes this, it was written in Greek, right? And do any of you guys speak fluent first century Greek? Probably not. Uh, me neither. <laughs> but when we look at it, when we break it down in the original context, when we break it down in the original Greek language that Paul was writing, it's not, Paul is not saying, look, you must first hear, and then you must second believe, and then if you do one and two, then three will happen. Then the Holy Spirit will seal you. I mean, at first glance in the English, that's, that's what I thought. I just said, hey, that's what it's like. First you got to hear, then you got to believe, and then you'll be sealed with the Holy Spirit. It's very common. It's very easy for us to think along those lines. But let me tell you uh, some really good news. The second part of the good news. <laughs> Thank you, Wes. So, so at first glance, we can look at it and say, look, um, so we've got to hear the gospel, right? And we got to, so we got to hear the word of truth. And then secondly, we've got to believe the gospel. And then if we do, if we do those two things, then the Holy Spirit will seal us, right? That's, when I, when I first glance at that, that's what it seems like it would be. But let me tell you really what the context is. And in the original Greek language, what Paul is saying is not that those two things have to happen as an antecedent for the Holy Spirit to seal the heart of the believer, but rather those things are two sides of the same action of God, right? So, so if you are hearing the word of God and responding in belief in the gospel, that is the Holy Spirit sealing your hearts for the day of redemption, right? So this is good news. This is exciting because if you're like me, you're thinking, well, I want to train really hard, right? The race metaphor, I'm going to train really hard so that I can run the race. So if I train, and second, if I run the race, then third, I will get that medal at the end of the finish line, right? 
That's the way we think. That's the way I thought this said. Like, if I hear the word of truth and then second, I believe the gospel, then I'll be sealed with the Holy Spirit. That's not what it says at all. Really what it's saying is, look, the Holy Spirit seals your heart so that you will hear, so that you will believe the gospel. And in hearing and in believing, that's the Holy Spirit sealing you. So if you hear it and if you believe, he sealed you. You don't have to do those two things in order to be marked as belonging to God. If you're hearing and believing, you are being marked, right? That's good news for us because we walk in here uh, with our with our ideas of maybe faith and, and how we should live our lives, thinking, well, i got to do X, Y, and Z so that God will approve me. I have to live a certain way, otherwise God's going to be mad at me. Like if I stand before God and I, I don't have this great resume of my life, then I'm going to stand before God and God's going to say, shame on you. Not at all. The beauty of the gospel of our salvation, the word of truth, the gospel of our salvation, is that God has saved us, not that we have to work for our salvation. I mean, the word of truth, the gospel of our salvation that we that we believe is, is that God has done that rescue for us. So he's saying, look, the medal is secure. The finish line is there. You are going to get a reward and you're going to run because you have that reward secured for you. You're not running so that you will get it. You're going to run because it's already yours to have because you belong to me because I have adopted you. I have chosen you. You are faithful because I have redeemed you. That's the beauty of the gospel that we see in the first chapter of Ephesians here. Is it's the Holy Spirit that, that gives us ears to hear and, and minds to understand this good news. That God, as a loving Father, since time began, enacted a rescue mission to save you, to save me, to save us, to gather His people, to gather His family. That's why I love the language of adoption. We see here that, that God is saying, look, I'm going to grab this great, beautiful, dysfunctional family, and I'm going to love them as dysfunctional as they are because I'm God and I'm good and they're a mess, but I love them anyway. And the Holy Spirit comes and says, you are approved because of who God is, what Christ Jesus has done for you. And the Holy Spirit saying, that's, that's what you need to know. You belong to God. So the Holy Spirit seals us as we hear, as we believe, as we hear the word of truth, as we believe in the gospel, that's the Holy Spirit sealing us for the day of redemption, putting, putting the medal on us as we run the race, saying you are approved, you are accepted, you are authentic, and, and in so doing, you are part of this community of, of faith, of a family, that you belong to God, you are free, you are rescued from Satan, from sin, from death, from the wrath of God. When you hear the word of truth, and you believe in the gospel of your salvation. I love what he says here, when you believed in him. right? Verse 13, it's important that in, when you believe in him, it's not just uh, belief, is is relational trust. So I love that Paul is saying, look, the gospel of yourself, you hear the word of truth, it's not just theological constructs and ideas. I mean, when you hear the gospel of your salvation, it's not just facts or, or maybe you know, ethics that you receive. That's part of it. But at the end of the day, the gospel is good news. It's belief in a person, in him, in Jesus. It's ongoing relational trust in who Jesus is and what he's done for us. And so the good news of the gospel of the Holy Spirit who was promised to us by God himself, sent to us by Jesus, who, who enacts in our hearts this good news is that we hear the gospel we hear the word of truth. We, we believe in this good news because God is saying you belong to me. And let me just, let me just tell you the good news of my 
acceptance. And that's reason enough to run with joy. That's reason enough to run together. So, friends, as we look at what it means to be sealed by the promised Holy Spirit, I want to ask you, what, um, where do you find your identity? I mean, where are you placing your trust, your faith, your security? I mean, maybe it can be, um, you know, good things like like great propositional ideas. I mean, philosophical ideas or ethical living or, or moral living. But friends, let me tell you, the good news of the gospel is, is while those things are good, the good news of the gospel is that you belong to God because Jesus has rescued you and that the Holy Spirit marks you as belonging to God. And this has great implications for us for eternity. Yes, one day we will all stand before the Lord and, and God will say, um, He will look at you and you'll look at Him and, and you don't have to bust out your resume and say, will you accept me because I did such and such. I went to seminary, man. I started a church. Will you accept me, Lord? But rather we can stand before the Lord and He'll say, you belong to me because I rescued you and the Holy Spirit has, has tattooed you as belonging to me. So you're in. Come on. Enjoy the feast, right? That's such good news. But this also has implications for us here and now because our identity here and now is, is that we have been sealed by the Holy Spirit. So this changes how we live here and now, which brings me to the second part. All right, the first part is that the Holy Spirit seals us. Right, we have been sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. But the second part is that the Holy Spirit is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. Verse 14, He guarantees our inheritance. Now, a guarantee... It's kind of like a down payment, right? Or, or a deposit. It's kind of like, if you've ever bought a house, it's kind of like your earnest money, right? It's, it's an actual tangible thing. It's not just an ethereal, well, if I do such and such, there's a chance I may win the race, right? Or if, if I run hard enough, there's a chance I may cross the finish line. Rather, it's a guarantee that this is for sure. Uh, it's solid. There's no way it can be changed. It's a down payment, a deposit. It's earnest money. Not just of what's expected, but what's actually there, right? So, for the Holy Spirit to be the guarantee of our inheritance, it, it's not only a promise that we cling to, saying, okay, when I die, there's a promise that I'll get to be with Jesus in heaven forever because the Holy Spirit has marked me. Is that true? Yes. But also, it's, it's kind of a, a foretaste of a here and now thing. Meaning that because we have been marked with the Holy Spirit, because there's a guarantee, there's, there's actual experience, a glimpse of what's to come that we experience here and now. Right? For example, um, a couple weeks ago, uh, a fa there's a favorite band I had like back like 12, 15 years ago, a band called Further Seems Forever. Right? And I, I loved this band back in the day. They were jamming, right? They were good. They played in Augusta at the Capri. Right, way back in the day. You guys remember the Capri? Right, so th they played, you know, way back in the day at the Capri. They were awesome. And uh, a couple months ago, I, I saw online that they were going to release a new album, right? I was like, I was stoked. I was like, man, either it's going to be really good or it's going to be a nightmare, right? I was like, it can either be horrible or it can be really jamming, right? And so the album came out a couple weeks ago, but weeks before the full album came out, they released a video and a single. And so I downloaded that Joker the second it was available, like, boom! And it's great. And so for weeks, I was like, uh, I had it in my iPod, man. I was like running, listening to, to the Further Seems Forever single, So Cold. Great.
great song, right? Go listen to it. And so for weeks, I was hearing that one song over and over again, and it just hyped me up, pumped me up. So then October 22nd, when the album was released, I downloaded the thing right away. And the album delivered, right? The first single they released was a foretaste of what was to come. The first song that they made available was, was, a, was a guarantee. It was a glimpse of what they'd already recorded. Right? They recorded the album months ago, but they said, look, we just want to give you a foreshadow of what's to come. Right? And yes, it delivered. You get the whole album, and it's jamming. Right? It's great. Everybody should get downloaded. It, right? It's good. In the same way, in the same way, the Holy Spirit being our guarantee of our inheritance is not just some ethereal thing that you have no idea of what's to come. Right? When Jesus says, look, I've gone to prepare a place for you, or God the Father says, look, I'm drawing you in to be my family, the Holy Spirit promises, is a promised um, guarantee of that inheritance. And it's not just something of like, well, you have to just trust me that you belong to God and you'll experience it maybe later. Right? It's not some ethereal thing far off. It's something that the Holy Spirit, as our guarantee, gives us a little foretaste of now. Right? And it's hard for us to understand. We, we live in a broken world. Like, the world's not perfect. Our relationships are not perfect. Our faith is not perfect. But we get tastes of God's goodness in the midst of those things. In the midst of life, in the midst of relationships, in the midst of our journey of faith, we get a little bit of taste of God's goodness along the way. And what that is, is God's uh, Holy Spirit saying, I'm just giving you a little, a little, a little bit of the guarantee that's what, what's to come, right? I'm giving you a little, uh, releasing the single from the full album, if you will, along that analogy. You see, Often we can context or we can kind of compartmentalize our faith to be something that's like either either in the past or in the future, but we forget the middle ground, right? We, it's like the starting line and the finish line, but not like the eight to twelve miles in between. You with me? Like that's that's often what our faith is. We say, well, I became a Christian at age eight. That was me. I was age eight. I prayed a prayer. I was baptized in a creek in Kentucky, and boom, I'm in. So I'm going to wait until I die at the finish line, and then I'm with Jesus, right? Okay, finish line, sorry, finish line, starting line. But in the middle, the whole time, God is saying, look, there's a way you're going to live based on who you are. You've been sealed, right? You've been identified. You've, you have been marked as my child. So therefore, that 8 to 12 mile stretch, you got to do something with it, right? There's a guarantee of your inheritance. So, so your motivations are going to be a little different now because you're running the race still because you've won. Christ has won it for you. There's a medal. There's some Gatorade at the end, a banana, right? You're going to run the race and you're going to get there. But in between, you got to run because you belong to God, because the prize has been secured, because there's a guarantee. And while you run, it's going to be, it's going to be fun. It's going to be hard, but it's going to be fun. Since I'm talking about running, <laughs> well, we'll get to that in a second. So the work of the Holy Spirit my point is the work of the Holy Spirit is ongoing in our lives. It's a past thing. It's a future, a future thing. But in the middle, the Holy Spirit is at work in us, uh, securing, because he has secured our identity, we have been sealed, and, and he uh, is guaranteeing our inheritance. Uh, we live a little differently as we go. And how, how that works out in our lives happens in the context of community, in the context of relationships with one another. Because the Christian life, the Christian race, so to speak, is not a race that's run solo. It's not something you do alone. It's something that is experienced 
in the context of community. For example, you got to forgive me. I keep going back to the race thing because I was just so happy to run yesterday. I have a cold and I ran. Yeah, so yesterday in Columbia, there were 711 marked or timed runners, right? And I came in 439th, which is awesome, okay? A few miles into the race, like we all started 711 people at the beginning, just just like herds of people plowing down downtown Columbia. But you get about four or five miles in, right, about maybe 40 minutes into the race, people kind of start branching out into like little coagulations, you know what I mean? So like there was this one stretch of road where you could see probably two miles ahead and it wasn't just a stream of people and it wasn't just like a steady single line of people but there were like little groups of people like maybe 15 20 people kind of running in herds right and so the the tribe I ended up running with I think I was the youngest guy in the group (laughs) but it was awesome right there were like little gray-haired men and gray-haired women and they were just like keep it up boy and I was like thank you you know just trotting along camelback little hat on listening to further soon forever right just trucking along. But see, the beauty of it is when you get collected in the groups, I mean, we, we were all going to the same goal. We were all going to get there. Uh, we had different little paces along the way. At one point, we were going through a neighborhood and a dog ran out, right, and didn't attack the person, but it kind of startled the person and she kind of tripped a little bit. Another point, this dude was trying to give like high fives to everybody and he almost tripped the dude. And I was like, dude, get out of the way. But the beauty of it is that we were running kind of in groups together, so we were kind of spurring each other on, right? And when we all started together, we all will end eventually and get there. But along the way, we have little groups of people that encourage us. And if you trip, you kind of help, help the person up. You kind of say, come on, do you need you know, some water? Can I help you? In the same way, the Christian life is meant to be like that. Like it's not a solo race. You don't just dart and leave everybody in the dust, even though you may be awesome like that. Nor are you left behind like crawling to the finish line. But rather, God and his providence gathers us together in, into a family. I mean, Ephesians 1 tells us that, that we are faithful saints together in Christ Jesus, that we have been adopted into a family, not adopted individuals, but we've been adopted into a family. We have been redeemed. That means to be free, to be together. Here, the Holy Spirit marks us. He seals us, identifies us as his children, but When the Holy Spirit identifies you, he's not marking you solo like you are my guy, you are my girl. He's saying, look, you are my child and you're part of the other people that have also also been identified as my children. So it's this bringing in, this this marking of, of being in a family, of a community. And there's great beauty in that because the race starts like that. By God's grace, the race ends like that. But in between, let us not forsake the fact that we have a community to run with. Right? We lean on each other. Our imperfections, our flaws, whatever it may be, God has given us each other to run this race with as a foretaste of what's to come. As a, that's why I think Christians need to have the best parties. Right? I mean, you should have the best party and you should have the relationships that are the most seasoned with grace. Because this is a foretaste of what's to come. Like when we get to heaven, there's going to be like this huge feast. It's like, you know, scripture tells us it's like a marriage supper. Like it's a wedding party. There's going to be food everywhere. There's going to be people all over the place. And so we should have a little foretaste of that now. Like somebody throw a party and make sure it has good food there. Good wine. Good cheese. Good music. And the relationships we have are filled with grace because that's a foretaste of what we have in Christ. You with me? 
As we wrap it up, let me say this. The two things we looked at today, the Holy Spirit seals us. That's an identity marker both here and now and in the future. The identity marker being sealed by the Holy Spirit is a personal thing. You have been marked. If you were a Christian, you have been marked. But it's also a community thing. He is marking us as his people. He is stamping us with his approval, his acceptance, his authentication. Um, It's something that God does by his Holy Spirit. But secondly, he is the guarantee of our inheritance. It's a promise of what's to come that we experience a little bit of now. Not in its entirety, but a little bit now, a foretaste of what's to come. So how does that shake out for us as Redemption Church? At Redemption Church, we often say our our purpose statement is gospel community mission. Right? We want to experience personal redemption in the context of a community on mission with the good news of Jesus. That's That's why we exist. We exist to experience personal redemption in the context of a community on mission with the good news of Jesus, the gospel, right? So how this applies to us personally is that we hear and believe the gospel, right? We do this every Sunday. I mean, verse 13 says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Every Sunday, by God's grace, we come in this room, in this cafetorium, and we, we hear the word of truth from the Bible. Right? We need to hear it. And we hear the gospel of our salvation. Why? So that we may believe in him. Belief is not a one-time thing at the starting line, friends. It is an ongoing pace of running that we do we ongoingly that's what belief is ongoing relational trust in jesus and so when we gather together it's a celebration of this personal redemption that we have we are hearing the word of truth the gospel of our salvation so so as we do that the holy spirit is sealing us he's marking us he's shaping us to be his people we do this in the context of community like this Um, when we gather in worship gatherings on Sundays. We have missional communities that meet throughout the week in people's homes. It's important for us to be in community together as we hear and believe the gospel time and time again. We have DNA groups. This is for discipleship, nurture, and accountability. We want to get you in one of those. If you're not, it's it's a group of one, two, maybe three people where you get together periodically and just impress this good news on each other's lives. You talk about your hardships, your doubts, your fears, your struggles, and you just push the good news of Jesus into each other's lives. We have friendships that are forming. This is all part of God sealing us, um, of God sealing of us by His Holy Spirit. And this is all experiencing the guarantee of the inheritance that's to come. And this is such good news for us. So friends, as a time of response, I want to ask a few things of you. First, um, by God's grace, you've, you've heard the word of truth and you've heard the gospel of your salvation. So um, as a time of response, I want to ask us all to respond um, in belief and just faith and and responding in in trust in Jesus and responding in repentance of sin or or, or self-sufficiency, thinking, well, I can run this race on my own. That's that's not right. That's not good. So repent of that self-sufficiency. Repent just means to, to change, to turn. And so ask that God would change us from self-sufficiency and isolation and to bring us together as a community uh, that we would repent of our sin and, and trust, believe the work of Jesus. 
And as we pray, I want us just to dream big for a minute. Just think about the impact that, that God, by His Holy Spirit, would have on our neighborhoods and city, uh, this church and the, the culture at large, if we live as those who have been sealed, have been marked by the Holy Spirit. Imagine the impact. Imagine what God would do uh, in and through us. Um, let me pray. Father God in heaven, Lord, I thank you uh, for this morning. Got a time to uh, hear the word of truth. Got to hear the gospel of our salvation through uh, music, through reading, through uh, prayer, through singing, through uh, the reading of your scriptures, um, the proclamation of the truth. God, I pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would be uh, awakening hardened hearts and opening closed minds and deafened ears and blind eyes to hear, to see, to, to beat with life with the gospel. God, that by your Holy Spirit, those in this room who have not yet been marked and sealed as your people, God, that you would awaken their hearts to beat with life and seal them, mark them as your people. Mark them as your children. God, for those of us who have experienced the faith and, and the gospel, Lord, I pray that uh, this sealing of our hearts would, would, would be an ongoing beating of faith and running with joy alongside other Christians, believers, that we would be um, thriving as a community of faith, experiencing the goodness uh, of you, God, that we would uh, be running with joy that we would be living out this good news in community and on mission together. So God, I pray that you would work in our hearts and our minds and our lives and our relationships. God, we thank you above all that you are good. I pray that in all things you would receive all the glory, that we would receive great joy. And that the good news of Jesus would go forth from this place to our communities, families, the city, the state, the nation, the world. Thank you, Christ.